Okay, Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens heard him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, Your mina has made ten minas more. And he said, Well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. And then another came, saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Father, we need your help, Lord, in understanding spiritual things today, heavenly things, things to come. Uh, Father, we pray for your grace and just making the connection in how we serve you today and our eternity tomorrow. Father, guide us. Open our minds, prick our hearts where there's sin, give us repentance and faith. By the power of your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we were in Revelation 21, and we were basically looking at uh, what is life going to be like for those who are joined to Jesus Christ in a faith relationship, okay? So for those folks who have turned away from their sin, put their faith in Christ, what is coming for them? We kind of settled on the Revelation 21, uh, what is it, verse 5, I think, where Jesus says, Behold, I'm making all things new. Okay. Now the most exciting thing about last week, really the kind of the center of it all, was this new relationship we're going to have with God. Okay. We're going to have a new relationship with God. Verse, verse 3 of Revelation 21 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be their God. Now, I hope that that, after last week at least, that's exciting to you, okay? Because what he's saying is what Psalm 1611 tells us, that is to be in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. God is the origin. He's the source of every good thing, okay? So just picture in your mind, every, everything that satisfies, everything that's, that's beautiful and, and, and wonderful and glorious and powerful and, and adventurous and thrilling, all of that emanates from the Father, okay? And so what God is saying is that in the new heavens and the new earth, He's going to be the center of it all, and we're going we're gonna to experience all that is Christ, all that is God the Father. We're going to dwell with Him 
in glory, okay? Now, obviously, we got to have new bodies. We talked about that last week, right? We, we got to have new bodies because you can't, that doesn't work with an old body, okay? A Dollar Tree body, okay? I said Walmart last week, and I had a bunch of people that are upset because they like Walmart, or they work at Walmart, so we'll go Dollar General, all right? So Dollar General, all right? So you, it doesn't work, right? Our body is not fit to enjoy the glories of Jesus. In fact, when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory, what did he tell Moses? Moses, you can't. You can't see my face. You can't, you'll die. And so he, he just showed Moses a glimpse of his glory, okay? But the Bible tells us that in the new heavens and new earth, we get new bodies that are fit to enjoy, to, to experience all that is God forever and ever, okay? So that's coming for believers. We will radiate the beauty and the glory of Christ forever and ever in a place where he will wipe away every tear. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a funeral this week, and I was just thinking about that beautiful verse in Revelation. He will wipe away every tear. You know, because I think there's a lot of people in this life that so many horrible things have happened, and they're like, man, how can I ever be okay? Well, heaven, the new heaven and the earth is a place where God is going to wipe away every tear. Okay? There's no more pain, no, no, more, no more sin. A place where there are not the effects of sin. And so we finished last week talking about that place that is coming for every believer. There were two application points. We gave it about like seven minutes right at the end. Number one was right there in Revelation 21. God says, are you thirsty for this? Are you thirsty? Come, those who are thirsty. You see, not everybody's thirsty for that. Not everybody, when they hear about the glory of Jesus and being with God, not everybody wants God. Some people, you, you could talk for an hour about the glories of God and being with him. And you know what their mind would be thinking? Man, I wonder when Tractor Supply closes. I got to get some of those new fence posts. Those are on sale. And I wonder, you know, I saw Bass Pro had new propellers for the boat. You know, I wonder how much faster I could go with the new propeller. You know, I mean, really, I mean, they're just not, not interested. Like that doesn't captivate them. Okay, so number one was be thirsty. And then number two, remember that here's where we closed the sermon last week. Number two was... Invest in the eternal. I close with an illustration about my upcoming camping trip, hopefully, if it works out, on an island, okay, just one night. And how ridiculous would it be to spend all my money, all my savings, mortgage my house, max out my credit cards, so that I could be as comfortable as possible for those 18 hours? How silly. And how silly for us to invest all of our energies on the now and forget about what's to come. So we're picking up right there, all right? So that was last week. Now we're picking up right there. So today what I want to do is I just want to give you a broad scope of what I believe it means to invest in the eternal and really what the benefits of that investment will be, okay? So the question that we're asking today is, what are the real benefits of working now, discipling now, praying now, sharing now, giving now, does that have an effect on what is to come? Now, let me tell you why this is so important. This is so important because this is one of those sermons where I know there are some folks in the church that disagree with me on this issue. Let me just say this right up front. That's okay. That's okay. This is one of those issues where we can shake hands and be like, well, okay, I think it's going to be this way. You think it's going to be that way. Let's, 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 go, let's go win people to Jesus. Let's go serve in Team Kids. Let's go, 
Let's go do VBS together. Okay, that, that's fine, right? There are issues where we can't do that, right? When you come in and you're like, you know, I've been thinking about it. I think Allah is God, not Jesus. All right, we got a problem, okay? Uh, we still going to love each other, but I don't, we can't do VBS together, right? We can't go teach the kids together because not, that's not going to work, okay? That's not one of these issues, okay? But it is an issue I believe that is significant enough that I want to talk about it. I, I, I want to I tell you what I think the Bible says, and maybe we can have a conversation someday, but I want to tell you what I think the Bible says because I think this is incredibly important in how you invest your life, okay? So, so what I'm telling you is there is a real, there's a real connection between how you're going to live this afternoon. So what are you going to do this afternoon? How, how are you going to invest? How are you going to pray? How are you going to give? I think there's a real connection between that and your joy and your reward and your, your experience of heaven. I think those two are connected, okay? Now, see, see, the other view would say this. The other view would say, hey, once you turn away from sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, heaven is yours. And I believe that, okay? Heaven is yours. But here's the part where I don't believe. They would say, and, and it doesn't matter what you do in your life, heaven is going to be the same for you. So, so let's kind of rework that. So you get saved at 13 years of age, let's say. Put your faith in Christ. Genuinely trust Jesus, okay? So, so what they're saying is, whether you spend your life in great sacrifice, giving generously, serving generously, passionately working and, and, and loving and, and, and discipling and winning and sharing, or whether you kind of kick back and do the minimum thing, which honestly, I'm just going to say, if you're like, oh yeah, I'm the minimum guy, I don't know. That, that seems funny to me that you would see and know Jesus and want that. But let's just, for the sake of argument, let's just say you're the guy that's like, ah, I'm not going to do much. I'm mostly going to focus on me, be comfortable, that your heaven would be the same. I'm saying it won't. I'm, I'm saying that what you do in this life has real impact upon the billions of years to come. Okay, that, that's what I'm going to say. Now, right away, some of you are running the ugly version in your head, aren't you? Yeah. See, this, this is where we, you know, all of a sudden you're like, dude, that is horrible. You just brought earth to heaven, you know, because you're thinking in terms of like Wall Street climbing the corporate ladder, right? You're thinking like, like, I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to walk by Ed's and I'm going to be like, he's got the platinum. He's got the platinum driveway. And I just have the old gold one. Ah, I hate it. I hate him, you know. Why did he, he does, because he drove that bus. I knew I should have drove the bus instead of preached. I knew that would have been better, you know. And every time I walk by it, I'll be like, hey. There he is coming in, you know, I'm going the other way. No, that is not what I'm saying. Heaven will not be like that. It will not be, you know, some people are, you know, snubbing everybody. No, 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 you're I'm not doing that. You're bringing earth into heaven. I'm not doing that, okay? I don't think that's what it's going to be. I don't think that's the implications of what I'm saying. And, I, and, I, and, and I, hopefully I will, I will debunk all of that through this sermon, okay? Um, now, now, one of the reasons I think we, we need to think differently about heaven is because, again, again, the rewards of heaven are going to revolve around enjoying God. You see, if you have a view of heaven that kind of just what I played out, like it's whose driveway is goldier, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think you missed last week. The glory of heaven is not driveway, pavement, and brick. The glory of heaven is Jesus, okay? It is being in His presence that is the reward. 
I mean, I, I, in Hearst Castle, California, on the coast, go there. You can go in the pool section. The dude overlaid some of the tile with gold. You can stand on it. Let, let me tell you how good it is. Here it is. Ah. Cool. All right. That, that's all right there. That, I mean, if that's the glory of heaven, it's disappointing. The glory of heaven is being in the presence of the one who is joy. The one who emanates with every good thing. The one who thrills and blows away your soul just to be with him. That's the glory of heaven. Okay, and so our reward will revolve around him. It will revolve around being with Christ. And our capacity to be with him. Our capacity to know him and to experience him. I'll get to this illustration here in a minute, but I want you to think of it kind of like this, okay? So in heaven, everybody will have a cup, okay? And the cup will be full. The cup represents all that you can handle, okay? You know, when you, when you get a cup and you're like, fill me up, okay? Fill me up. Well, you're going to fill me up, right? All the way to the top. That's how I got, I got all I want. I got all I need. I got, I got all I have. But here's what I believe. Depending on how you live your life, I think your cup enlarges. Does that make sense? So everybody's full. In heaven. Everybody's got all they can handle of the glory of Jesus Christ every day. But I, I believe, based on how you live, how you invest, what the Master's given you, I think your cup enlarges. I think that's what Jesus is telling us. Now, again, this is not a concept that I'm... Man, I, I tell you what, it hurts me. Um, <laughs> just, I, that's why I always want to do a good job, because I, I don't want you to ever think, man, that dude's making stuff up. <laughs> I'm, I'm really just trying to interpret the scriptures, okay? So Hebrews 11.6, let me, let me give you a foundational verse. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith, okay? Now what does that look like? We'll keep reading. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he, what? Rewards those who seek him. You see, at the very heart of faith, it is saying, I know he won't let me down. I know he is worth it. I mean, faith now, faith forever at the heart of it. I mean, when you leave here today, you're likely to be tempted with something, right? Let's say you're tempted with anger, greed, uh, lust, something like that, okay? Here's the heart of the faith. The heart of faith says, I know Jesus is worth it. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to follow him because I know he's worth it. He won't let me down. He is better than that thing. Whatever I'm wanting, whether it's revenge or, or sensuality, okay? Faith says Jesus is better. I want him. What he's got is better, okay? And so what I'm telling you is all the way into eternity, that's what faith is rooted in. Christ is better. Now, this is one of those sermons that it would be better, a better conversation. Like it would be better if we could just sit down and be like, all right, what, what do you think about this? Let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you. Okay, so, but we can't do that because that would be kind of chaotic. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to anticipate your questions, okay? So I think some of you are going to say, well, pastor, I'm with you. As far as earthly rewards, I think, you know, as, as a man lives in integrity and as he shares the gospel, I think God will, will bless his soul. God will give him joy right here and now. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. I agree. I, I, I looked at Mark 10 where, Je, where what Jesus said, what did he say? He said uh, uh, to Peter, who said, Lord, we've left house and mother. He said, no one who's left house, mother, father, brother, lands for my sake. Um, he'll receive a hundredfold now and eternal life to come. Now and eternal. So I agree with you. I agree that there is a real benefit to following Jesus. I believe there's a joy that comes from following him right now. I, I believe that. I believe he reveals himself totally. But what I'm telling you is I also think there's a connection to eternity that grows 
as you serve and love and invest in the kingdom. Let me try to prove that to you. Uh, two passages, okay? So the first one we ended on last week, and it's the Matthew 6, okay? So Jesus says in Matthew six nineteen, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, thieves rake in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, so, so number one, he's saying, don't lay up treasures here. What does it mean to lay up treasures here? That means to work real hard for more stuff now, right? I want more now. I want more, more stuff now, right here. That's why I'm, I'm piling it up here. Jesus is saying, that's not real smart. That's not real smart to invest and, 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 and spend all your energy for that. Why? Because it always lets you down, right? It, it perishes. It, it's moth. It, it never does what you hope it will do. But rather, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, what must that mean? Well, pile up rewards in heaven. Get more, right? So doesn't that mean that the, the possibility exists to get more? More of a capacity for Jesus? It has to, right? All right, some of you are not convinced, I can tell. I got more. I got lots more, okay? Luke 14. Try, try this one, okay? Luke 14, 12. Some of you are wondering, who should I have over for dinner tonight? This can answer the question. Ready? He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you and return you and return invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, crippled, lame, blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, is he saying don't ever invite your buddies over there? He's not saying that at all. You know he's not saying that. I mean, other places he tells us that we're to gather as a church. They gather as a I mean, that, that, what he's saying is don't let that be your, your, your motive, okay? See, if your motives are all earthly, if they're all the right now, okay? Some people live their whole lives doing everything they do that's good for this. That's what they want right here. Good job. Oh, man, did you see it? Did you see me do that? You know? Wow, wasn't that awesome? Aren't I awesome? I, you, I want you to think highly of me, you know? And, and I'm going to do a nice thing for you. I'm going to take you out to McDonald's. I'm kind of hoping you'll repay me by taking me to JB's next week, you know? I mean, that, that's the way a lot of people live life. It is all for the now. And Jesus is saying, no, you're way too low. You're shooting low. By the way, he says this all through the Sermon on the Mount, too. We don't have time to go look at all that. All through the Sermon on the Mount. He says it. Don't do it for the now. But what does he say? Invite people that can't pay you back. In other words, give to people that can't pay you back. Implied here. Can't pay you back here. Why? Well, some of you are going to say, you should just do it for the right. You should just do it because of duty. A lot of people say that. I do the right thing just because it's the right thing. That's not impressive. It sounds impressive. It's not. Try it on your wife. It's her birthday. You get, her, you get her something nice. She opens it. She's like, honey, I love it. And you're like, I just did it because it's the right thing. Is it good? No. That's not impressive, okay? Why should you do it? For Jesus. Because you want more Jesus. Because Jesus is awesome. Because you trust him. Okay, and so what's he saying? Invite these folks that can't pay you back here. Why? You will be repaid when? At the resurrection of the just. That's heaven. It's got to be. How else do you interpret that? It's got to be. It's got to be. So, I think this is rooted in this kind of faith. Now, some of you are going to say, well, 
You know, he's just talking about heaven. He's just talking generically about heaven. He's just saying everybody who's a believer gets heaven. Well, then, so basically, if that's true, then whether you invite the poor, lame, or crippled, or you don't, you, the same, you get the same reward. That's not what Jesus just said there. So, I think this kind of thinking is full of faith, okay? Now, I know the question so many people have is, again, won't this create envy and dissatisfaction? Won't I get to heaven and I will see Bonnie has a bigger cup than me and I'll be ticked off about that? Some things are horribly wrong with that. Number one, well, I even know that Bonnie has, how would I, I don't even know that I'll know that. I just don't know. Okay, now maybe I will. There is some, like this parable we just read. He'll be over 10 cities. He'll be over five. So maybe I will. I don't know. I don't even know that I will though, but maybe. But again, there's no sin in heaven. That's going to be a big factor. But before I talk about that one, think about this. Again, if my cup is full, won't I rejoice that I have all I can handle? I grew up skiing. Little boy. I don't even remember learning. That was our one vacation a year. We went in the mountains in the winter. Didn't do anything in the summer because my dad's a farmer. So winters always went skiing. I have never, I've never taken my kids until this last year, um, mainly because I'm cheap and it's expensive. And I just, I spend it, hey guys, we could go skiing or we could go camping, you know. Camping costs $10 a night, you know, that, that's why I haven't. But I did this last spring break. Miracle of miracles. I thought it'd be wailing and gnashing of teeth. They loved it, okay. But here's the thing. So I'm loving it at one level. Haven's loving it at another level. We're both full, though, right? So I ski with her all day until the last two hours till she is plumb tuckered out. And then I, I sit here with hot chocolate. I go up on the mountain with the Harrises and the Reeds and, and the Cottoms. And, man, I tear up the blacks, and we're spraying each other with spray. And, and we're going down much more difficult, much faster, Okay. But then I go back and ski with Haven after she's drunk her chocolate. We're on the bunny slope again. She is loving it. I mean, as soon as we get down, can I go back up? Can I go back up? You know, she's loving it, okay? At the end of the day, our cups, both full, okay? Both full. But here's the reality. I had a much bigger cup. I could experience much more of the mountain. Haven didn't spray anybody, okay? If she tried to spray, she'd have, you know, we, we have different capacities. And her capacity probably will grow if, if we keep taking them. You know? No promises there. That $10 camping is appealing to me. So in heaven, everybody's cup's full. Jonathan Edwards. I only quote him because I, heard, I, have, I hear nobody argue with Jonathan Edwards. Like, he's like way up here. You know? So I quote him just so if you... I don't know. I just feel like it adds more weight to the sermon. So every vessel that is cast into this ocean of happiness is full. Though there are some vessels larger than others, and there there shall be no such thing as envy in heaven, but perfect love shall reign throughout the whole society. That's the way it's supposed to be now, by the way. When you go up to 1 Corinthians 12, you see this beautiful picture of the church, what the church should be. Let me read you just one little verse out of that section. It's verse 22. If one member is honored, the others rejoice with it. 
were being attacked by a submarine. That's what that was. Torpedo! Torpedo! If one member is honored, the others rejoice with it. Hear that? Now, let me ask you, does that happen in the church? It does a bunch, actually. It does a bunch. Does it happen all the time, always? No. No. Why? Man, somebody let sinners in. That somebody was Jesus, and we're all in, okay? But we're sinners, right? But haven't you experienced that? Where your brother or sister has something great happen to them? They're honored. They have a... And you're like, ah, I'm so genuinely excited for you. I'm, I'm happy that you're happy. That's the church. Now, fast forward that into heaven, when all of our junk is purged, right? All of our sinful thoughts, tendencies, insecurities... Everybody jockeying, what do people think of me? What are they there? You know, do they like me? Do they think, you know, when all that's washed away and our identity is only in Jesus and we radiate with his glory and our cup is overflowing, I kind of think I will look over at Bonnie and be like, wow, that makes me, my cup's fuller now that I see your cup. My joy's increased. I think that's the way it will be. Let's get to the parable of the meanies, okay? It's always a bad sign when we start our text at 7 till 12. But uh, we're going to go fast, okay? So the reason Jesus tells this parable, he tells us that in verse 11. Why is he telling this? Well, he's telling us because he says they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately, okay? So what some of the disciples thought is as they got close to Jerusalem, you know what they're thinking? Jesus is going to walk into Jerusalem, do a big miracle, they're going to come out with the crown. They're going to put him on the, 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 the temple steps. Everybody's going to worship. The disciples are all going to be up there, chest puffed out. You know, we knew it before you guys did. You know, that's what they thought was going to happen. Is that what happened? He goes to Jerusalem, all right, but what happens? They crucify him, right? The disciples are scattered. He dies for our sins. He's buried in the tomb. On the third day, he raises... He appears to his disciples for several weeks, showing them, teaching them, and then he ascends into heaven to inherit a kingdom for which we are awaiting his return. Okay? So, verse 12, a nobleman went away into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. Okay? So that's Jesus. He's gone away to get the kingdom. Okay? He's coming back. Verse 13, calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. What's a mina? Three months' wage for a laborer. So whatever you think that is, okay? I'm gonna, if, it would help me if we could just use the number $10,000. It's a round number, right? So let's say three months' wage. I, I think that, I think if you, like, if you made like 50000 a year, maybe 40000 a year or something, I, I think it would be like 10000 for three months. Anyway, let's just say $10,000, okay? So they each get $10,000. And what does he tell them? He says, I want you to go and do business. Whose business? The king's business. All right. So our king has gone away, and he has entrusted you guys to do his business. Now, what does that look like? Well, I, I, I like First Thessalonians just because of the, how this deal ends uh, in this passage. So let's go there. I could, I could Lots of different passages we could look at. Let's, let's go to First Thessalonians. So First Thessalonians, I'm um, going to start out in chapter 2, verse 4. 
Paul says, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Okay, stop right there. To be entrusted with the gospel. All right, now we see that everywhere in Paul's writings. He says that over and over again. I've been entrusted with the gospel. What, what is he saying? God has given me the gospel to take care of. Okay? I'm, I'm supposed to be getting it out. I'm supposed to be telling people the gospel. I, I, I've been saved by the gospel. I've embraced it. It, 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 is, it has changed my life. And now I've, I've got it. And, and, and I'm giving it out. Okay? So Paul is entrusted with the gospel. Not only is he entrusted with the gospel to, to proclaim it so that people receive it and they're born again but also he's in charge of helping them to live out the gospel so later on in chapter two he talks about how he's like a spiritual mother he's like a spiritual father he's encouraging and exhorting and and challenging and caring for other believers so that they grow in the gospel they grow in their faith and then notice where it ends chapter two verse 19 and 20 the last two verses in in chapter two first thessalonians he says what is our hope or joy or crown, crown is a reward, right? Of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. So, so Paul's asking, man, what will be our joy? What will be our crown? What will be our reward when Jesus Christ comes back? Notice the next few, few words. Is it not you? You are our glory and our joy. See, that's full circle there. Don't you see that? I mean, basically what, 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 what the Bible is saying is these these. Paul has given the gospel to these folks. He's nurtured their spiritual lives. He's discipled them. He's kept them accountable. He's encouraged them. He's cared for them. He's prayed for them. And now he's saying, I can't wait for Christ to come back because when Christ comes back, you, you're going to magnify, expand my joy, my hope, my crown. Can I say this? Paul's saying, my cup is going to be bigger to enjoy Jesus. Because of you. Because of my investment in you. I think that's what he's saying. Are there other ways that we invest for reward? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Living out the gospel. That would be a a way to say all these. But let me just give you a couple of them. Okay. So here's Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Then we're going to talk about this at Man Up, by the way, on Wednesday. We're going to talk about a man and and adversity. Um, But in verse 11 and 12, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. You you hear that? Jesus says, when people whip up on you and you bear under that for the glory of Jesus, great is your reward. Where? It's coming. Expanded cup. How about this one? Matthew 10, 14, 42. Just go a couple pages there. Matthew 10, 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. What's a cup of cold water? It's, it's a very small gesture, right? Jesus is saying the smallest thing. See, a lot of, things we, a lot of times we think we got to do big things. No. You just got to be faithful with what God's given you. And, and the smallest thing, the smallest act of kindness for a believer in order to build up their faith and help them to grow in the gospel, Jesus says, you will not lose your reward. He says, I see that. I've taken note of that. That's factored into your enjoyment of the glory of God forever and ever. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 talks about every good deed, every, every, every time you do good, uh, God will reward you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 talks about sowing bountifully, so you'll reap bountifully. So all, all these verses that we could look at that basically talk about um, 
the expanded rewards of those when you, when you are faithful with what God's given you. So, so this guy is faithful, all right? So we go back to Luke. They're supposed to engage in business. The Lord comes back. Uh, he brings them forward. And uh, the first guy comes, and he says, Lord, I took your mina. I worked hard. I got 10, 10, 10 minas back. And by the way, it's interesting that he says the mina earned the mina, not he did. That's interesting because the power is in the gospel and the Holy Spirit, not us, right? That's kind of cool part of that. But anyway, what's his reward? Ten cities. All right, now here's where you, where you realize that nobody's going to be in heaven saying, yeah, I deserve to be here. No. The reward is so crazy, big, beyond anything we ever did, okay? He invests $10,000, he earns $100,000, what's he get? Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Enid, Dallas, Joplin, Amarillo, Wichita, Little Rock, Lawton, and Taos. I added a mountain town there just because I thought that would be nice. Ten cities, okay? Now, now, notice you have authority over, responsibility over. That just crushed some of you, didn't it? Some of you, you've been going with Hallmark. You thought heaven was white bedsheet, cloud, and harp forever. Harp music forever. That is terrible, okay? What, is, what does Jesus say? Authority over ten cities. Okay, there's this principle in the Bible that when you are faithful with what God's given you, he's going to give you more. Okay, he's going to give you more. Some of you were like, I, I don't know why I never get any opportunity to share my faith. That's probably because you don't share your faith, you know. God, God gives you one and you're like, no, 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 not, 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 not here, Lord, not here, not in public, not in my job. God, no, no. Okay, God, will you give me an opportunity? Well, no, you're probably not going to. When you're faithful with what he's given you, he's going to give you more. Okay, and so here, when these guys are faithful with what God's given them, he says, I'm going to give you more. Now, now that implies, it's going to blow some of your mind, that implies work in heaven. All right, now some of you are bothered by that. Don't be bothered by that. I'm excited about that because it's work the way work was intended. Did you know there was work before the fall? Okay, in Genesis 2.15, God creates Adam, puts him in a garden paradise. And in verse 15, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work is a good thing. Work is productive. Work, work is satisfaction and joy to take care of the Lord's business. You're like, Jason, my work is not that way. I believe you, and I believe you because of chapter 3 in Genesis. What happens in chapter 3? Sin enters the world, and all of a sudden, we still have to work, but it's different now, right? Listen to what the Bible says. To Adam, God says, because you listen to the voice of your wife. This is verse 17. And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Uh Uh-oh, now now Adam's going to work and it's going to be painful. Adam's going to work and the ground no longer does what Adam says. Now it grows bindweed and thistle and, and you get no rowing forever and then you get 20 inches in a week, right? And everything is hard. Thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. Now your work is difficult. Everything is working again. You ever feel that way? You ever, you ever go home? Hey, honey, how was your day? Man, it was like everything was against me. You need to say, yeah, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> it says that's what's going to happen. Everything is against you. It's all hard. And it's hard to sell and it's hard to buy and it's hard to produce and it's hard to make a living. It's hard to be with people. It's all hard because of sin. But there's coming a day when God is going to what? Remember? Make all things new. 
greater opportunity to serve Jesus forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So, second guy comes. Five minas. I took your mina. Here's five. You should be in charge of five cities. Third guy comes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got that somewhere. Just, just one second. He goes back, gets a hanky in his drawer, pulls it out. Here's what you gain. First question I always have that there's no answer to it. I just wonder, what was he doing the whole time? I think I know the answer just by looking at myself and looking at everybody around me. I think he was probably doing his own stuff. Don't you? How easy is it to just get real busy with your stuff and forget, oh, yeah, the Lord's business. Well, anyway, Lord, here's what, here's what you have. Now, immediately, he's probably seen these other two guys, hasn't he? He's thinking the whole time, yikes. So he's got to have an excuse. Well, what, what do we normally do? It's never our fault, right? Whose fault is it? Verse 22 or verse uh, 21. Well, I was afraid of you. You're a severe man. You, you, you reap what you don't deposit. You know, basically, what what's he say? Well, you know what? I, I didn't do anything because I was scared. I was scared, and I didn't think I could do it right. And, man, you, you're, you're really demanding, you know? Well, the master says, well, you know what? If you really believed what you just said, you would have at least put it in the bank. I'm not buying it. If you knew I was going to demand, if you knew I was going to, if you knew that if I'm like what you just said I am, you should have put it in the bank. At least I've got interest. Now, big question. Is this guy saved? Is he not saved? I actually don't know. I go back and forth. I don't, I don't know. I mean, in Matthew 25, in the parable of the talents, they, he cast the servant into outer darkness, it says. That seems to be not saved. In this one, he seems to separate him from verse 27. These enemies of mine who did not want me to reign. So I, I, I don't know. Here's the one thing I do know. He eternally missed out. Whatever you, t- you take on that, here's the point of the parable. This guy had an opportunity to be faithful with what God gave him, and it would have it resulted in blessing forever. And he didn't do anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this. Each one's work will become manifest for the day Judgment Day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Our whole lives are going to go through the refining fire and only what we did for Jesus is going to come out. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. That's coming. Listen to this. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. It says he'll still be saved, but he'll suffer loss. Now, I've read that passage with a lot of people, and they're like, it's okay, it's okay, because I'll still be saved. I, just, I don't think you really think that. And the reason I don't think we think that is because we spend almost every day of our lives trying to avoid loss. Do we not? Trying to avoid loss with our health, loss with our property, loss with our money. loss. With, I mean, it's a big deal. It's always a big deal. I went to four used car lots yesterday on the way back from Tulsa. I spent an average of 95 seconds at each one. I'm, ter- I'm terrible at it. Like, there's nobody worse than me, okay, at this whole deal. And, uh, and I just, I, terrible. One of, 
the thing that I'm terrible about this, I know, I know the game is he's trying not to suffer loss on his commission. I'm trying not to suffer loss for our family. And we collide. And my problem is, I don't want him to suffer loss either, you know? I'm just, it's, I'm just not good. But do you see what I'm saying? Every day is like that. We're trying not to suffer loss. You care deeply about that. What, what I'm asking you to consider is, how much more should you care about not suffering loss forever? We have this unique opportunity right now. And every born-again believer in this room, you have the power, you have the capacity, you have the ability, you have the gifts. All you got to do is be faithful to what God's given you. Be faithful. That faithfulness will expand your capacity for joy forever. Go after it. Go after it. We're going to finish this morning by partaking of communion. So, see some of the guys are here. Would you guys come and prepare the table? Let, let me remind you. Everybody else, keep listening. Keep listening. Let me remind you of a couple weeks ago, okay? So a couple weeks ago, I preached a sermon on the wrath of God. Do you guys remember that? On hell? Okay. And one of the big images in that sermon was, was this one. In verse 10 of Revelation 14. He also, he's talking about those who don't know Jesus, will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. Now, if you remember that sermon, what we talked about is everybody in this room deserves God's wrath because of our sin. That's our cup. Basically, you got a cup full of God's wrath, and you got to drink it. Except, Jesus Christ came. And do you remember what he did on the night before his, his crucifixion? In the Garden of, of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father, and he kept praying. He did this three times. Father, take this cup from me. It was agonizing to him. Take it away from me. But Lord, not my will, but yours. What was that cup? That cup was Brian's sin, my sin, Gary's sin, Brian's sin, your sin. And Jesus went to the cross that next day, and he drank it. Now, you remember what, you remember what he said to his disciples? That very night, he gathered them, and he took a cup. And remember what he did? He passed it around, and he said, this is my blood. You see, he drank your cup. And now he offers you his cup. So what this is all about is we're commanded as believers to do what we're about to do. And the symbolism is, I'm saying, Jesus, I know you took my cup of sin and the wrath of God. And Lord, I'm, I'm embracing you. I'm taking you into my life as my Savior and my King. Some of you are not there yet in your life. That's okay. Man, I'm so glad you're here. But, but you're not there yet. You haven't, you haven't turned from your sin, put your faith in Jesus. You're not, you're not ready. You're just still kind of trying to figure it out, figure out what you believe. That's okay. Just pass this on. Just, just pass to the next person. I did that for many years. At Lincoln Avenue, we have open communion, which means you don't have to be a, a member of our church to partake of communion. Here's what we ask, just on your own testimony, that you be a person who's truly born again. If you're just still trying to figure that out, or for some reason you just feel like, you know what, my heart's not right, that's okay. Just pass that on. But for those of you who are believers, those of you who you've embraced Christ as your king, 
This is an act of worship by which we say, Jesus, I take you into myself. It's your blood and your body that is my salvation today.